0: Listening to the best bits of The Breakfasters from 3 R. You are listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. Uh, so yesterday, um, it's funny, I, my nephew made his first Holy Communion yesterday morning.
1: Lovely. Yeah,
0: which is really nice. Um, so went along to that. And then because I was having lunch with... Um, Kath's family mm. afterwards Who are not Catholic And did not grow up Catholic And then I had to explain What I had done that morning Oh and
2: Maybe you can explain it to me <laughs> If it's your first Holy Communion Does that mean there
1: are many of them? Like, yeah well, the second and the mean, third and it, no, fourth It means that you're never allowed you, You're never allowed it Until you make your first And from your first onwards You just have Communion every week mm.
0: if you, if oh. Every time you go to church It's like yeah, when you, um, oh, you turn 18 And you can drink Yeah, so it's, oh, yeah it's Communion the is the wine is it? Communion's is the um, bread and the wine Yeah Sometimes you just get the bread, sometimes you get both. Yeah, you know when you turn 18? Never just wine, always bread and wine or just bread. Yeah, that's
1: sensible. You shouldn't yeah. drink mm. without eating.
0: It's well, it. it's not wine, really. It is It is the blood of Christ.
1: Okay. And, and it's, the, it's the also body. the body of Christ, yeah. so it's flesh. Yeah. Flesh and blood. Well, that sounds nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. Doesn't taste like I really wrapped my head around <laughs> that
1: when I was seven, let yeah. me tell you.
0: <laughs> I did, I did <laughs> ask. did well, ask.
2: okay. Okay. Mm. I mean, I, like every religion has got its things and stuff. But when that was being explained to you that, you know, it really is the flesh and the blood, did anyone ever say anything? Like that sounds a bit
1: uh, weird to flesh and blood.
0: I think it's the way they, um, you know, it gets taught to you. And I think it's because you've – and you grow up with, you know, if you grow up going to church every week and you just see, you know, everybody else go up and and get the Eucharist, then it's not like it, – it. so it's not as – Weird when it's when it's told to you, and also I think that as a kid I was just excited
1: that I got to eat something at church. Mm. I was always starving.
0: Yeah, Can you remember that church was in the morning, and the whole
1: time I sat, you weren't thinking food. to, you weren't meant to eat within yeah, an hour you, of communion you or something eat beforehand. So before there was no Jesus's breakfast. Body was in your stomach.
0: Yeah, I know it's it's weird to say it out loud to people that don't haven't experienced it, and I had this on on Sunday afternoon. It is
1: it is hard to eat. yeah if you've if if you've never heard of that before
0: yeah. What, what, what did they think about it? Well, Kath just called it a cult. Um, <laughs> she just found it. She was like... And that's it the, because there's the other things like um, all the, um, you know, the, you get dressed up for it. So all the the boys will wear, you know, a nice shirt and tie and a, a suit if they've got it kind of thing. You know, they get, yes, get like the girls dressed up. The girls dress up
1: as mini brides.
0: Yeah, they will wear white dresses. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah. when, when
2: do you um, do confession?
1: That's earlier.
0: Earlier. Oh, okay. So you have to do confession before you go get the Eucharist because you have to be um, pure before, it, so to speak. So yeah. you have to. Um, so if you have any. Um, be absolved of sins. Yeah, before you're ready to get the.
2: It's funny, I was trying to think whether I have any equivalent of something that I accepted at the time, but now that I think back on it, sounds really strange. I mean, I wonder if anyone listening, there must be similar things because like, okay, like yeah. you know, Catholicism, mm. it's it's theology or whatever. But I reckon, I feel like as a kid, you're sometimes prepared to accept stuff that when you think back on it now, you just think.
1: I think everything my father taught me and everything I did with my dad Yeah. I I just felt like every time I thought we were doing something normal, like going ferreting, I thought that was normal.
0: Oh, yeah. And And then when I told. Jumping the ropes at the museum. Yeah. And
1: then people would say, what's ferreting? And I said, oh, it's when we go onto other people's land and put rabbits down. (laughs) Put ferrets down rabbits' holes and nets over the holes. And then the rabbit comes out and dad breaks its neck. That's normal? Right? And then people would be like, what? I'm like, this is ferreting. That's what you do, isn't it? No. Apparently, not.
0: <laughs> Apparently <laughs> not. Yeah, this is great. Maybe if people have what are what are things that you thought were were quite normal but you're looking back on it thinking maybe not so much. Um, you can text us on zero four double six nine eight one zero two seven. Just on the um back to the communion thing, it's all the girls wearing white dresses, all the guys in their nice suit and ties. Except yesterday there was one girl yesterday morning that was wearing a nice suit jacket. Tie, nice white pants. I love it. I just went, oh, oh yes. The power suit. Yeah. It makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. So, I, um, yeah, let's go to this. All let's right. go well, to again, this. We're
1: going to go to a call. This is always a risky prospect <laughs> when we're talking about these things. Uh, hello, you're on Triple R. Hello. Oh, mate. We're we talking to someone's butt dial. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I don't right. know who That's that is. No let's good. try this person. Hello, you're on Triple R. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. good. You're live on air. Yeah. Were you ringing in about the thing we're talking about? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> weird. Is
2: this like weird things your you folks are you
1: to? Yes, yeah. Or just things that seemed normal when you were young and now uh, seem a bit weird.
0: My dad would take me to the tip on a, a lovely father-daughter... Ouchie. Father. Oh, mate, <laughs> I, I
1: totally <laughs> got the father-daughter tip trips as well. <laughs> And they seem yeah. really like, normal. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm talking like 40 degree days and <clears> we, were, we were looking for specific objects. Like... <laughs> bone-handled toothbrushes. What? what? A toothbrush? Yeah, he had like an old toothbrush collection. cracked egg cups. Um... Are you Sarah's you know, sister? You're like, you're not. <laughs> 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 what happens when you've got a dad who's,
2: like,
1: an artist and has, you know, collections and things, oh, so, yeah, wow. we will not yeah. I feel
2: like Butter, as a kid, actually, though, you'd probably think that was really uh, good fun, yeah? Uh, on
0: the days that weren't 40 degrees, oh. it was fun. On the, yeah, on, the <laughs> on those thinking hot days, we, like... Really? Another toothbrush?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, mate. Totally. fair. made you know, my childhood <laughs> no feel a way. lot more normal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember trip runs, though, for no particular reason. I, hope I, know, you know, I used car. to get so
2: excited whenever we took stuff to the... I remember, you know, you, there would be those great piles of rubbish, and I remember as a kid running from one pile to another, I think, I can't believe people have thrown this away. Totally. It's so good. It's Look a
1: And I also remember there was a big... There was always a really big, deep hole that stuff went into and got... Gurgled mm. up in or something. I don't know what it is, but that I loved that as a kid. Looking over, it felt like it went for a million miles under
0: like the ground. Bump. I remember you know, thinking, yeah. when I'm
2: growing up, I'm so much going to be working in this place. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'd like I'll to think that someone. <laughs> I'd like to think that you'd sing a song on the in the car on the way there, like tip trip, tip trip, tip trip. No, nah, no one else. No, nah, that's that. not that song. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what are no, you that would that? have <laughs> been a new level of weirdness. <laughs>
3: Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. Dirt, dirt, dirt.
4: It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt.
0: Hey, you got some on your pants. Can you stop saying about <laughs> the dirt? <laughs> it's never going to be, Every it's time. never not
1: going to be my favourite
2: theme. <laughs> yes, it's time to get down and dirty with Justin Digger Calvary here on
3: Breakfast. How are you going, Justin? Morning all. Morning. Hello. Morning. How are we all?
1: Very well. All right.
3: um, today is something close to my heart. It's one of, what I think is one of life's little pleasures. Ooh, I agree. What is it? Berries. Oh. Have you ever...
1: You know that it's berry. You <laughs> know <it's laughs> something else.
3: <laughs> um, have you ever picked a fresh raspberry straight off the cane first thing on a Sunday morning in your undies in the backyard? Oh,
1: oh never. everything Come minus on. the undies in backyard.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Just never done that.
0: showing off your lifestyle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. The, so, the, you know, to put a fresh berry in your mouth straight off the plant... Um, is just an amazing thing. Um, but there is a reason why we have to spend a lot of money when you want to buy them at the shops because they're not easy to grow. Mm. Really, really, really. So, today, you know, um, probably should start off by just the shock of the day is that raspberries and strawberries aren't berries.
0: Oh,
1: get out.
3: Oh. But botanically what? they're not berries.
0: What are they?
3: They are just a simple fruit. Really? So, the closest, if we want to be botanical, bananas and... Tomatoes are berries.
1: What? Oh, yeah, why? so it all stems crazy from talk,
3: it's a, it's a crazy <laughs> So it all stems from the way that you know um, the, the way that fruit forms from a from a flower. So a berry, by definition, uh, the fruit forms from a single ovary inside the flower, Can and it? they have multiples. So you see, with little raspberries, they have and strawberries. ovaries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all fruit stems from an ovary. Oh, wow. So if you, you know, when you look inside an apple, you've got, where the pips are, you've got these little swollen little capsules. Mm, the yeah. sting, they're the ovaries.
1: Oh, my God. And the
3: flesh is just like the amniotic fluid of a pregnant woman, and the skin of the fruit is your skin.
0: Seriously. <laughs> <Sarah's laughs> fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, my God. It is. <laughs> Horrifying. What's an avocado? It's a fruit. But not yeah. a berry.
3: Yeah, that's right. So it, if it has a stone which an avocado does, Mm. that's not a a berry. So you can wipe out your plums and Ah. almonds and all those things. Anyway, so just something to do a bit more research on. Um, But growing berries here, they're not that easy. So uh, where should we start? Let's talk about strawberries, raspberries and blueberries, the common, the big three. And let's
1: start with strawberries because I tried to grow strawberries in summer and the flowers came out and then the flowers just died and nothing ever happened. Yeah.
3: So more than likely that was a pollination issue. Okay. So the bees have got to get in there. So strawberries, as the name suggests, uh, grow in the pine forests of the northern hemisphere because they grow in the pine straw.
4: Oh.
1: Um,
3: So they love an acidic soil because that's what pine trees do to the soil. You know under pine trees not much else grows. Yeah. So by dropping their needles, um, the silica in the needles acidifies the soil so much that not many plants can grow there. So, But the strawberries, because they've got those little runners, you've seen how strawberries put out these little arms? Yes. Which is a modified stem and it has a node on the end of it. So they dip their toe in essentially and adapt to it and then go, okay, that's cool, grow up and then the next one puts another arm out and they slowly encroach into to colonise an area, which is quite amazing. Mm. That parent plant will grow, well, it grows for about six years or so, but it's only viable to produce fruit for about three or four years. So after that, you're better off pulling them out and disposing of them. So by the time they're a great-grandparent, it's out you go, mm. Granny, you're out, you're out of the band. Oh, <laughs> done.
0: <Gosh. laughs>
3: because after that, they stop fruiting and they become really susceptible to diseases. And there's a, one really bad one called botrytis, which is a, a grey mould. And you might have seen that, this grey kind of mould oh. growing on your strawberries. Yes, you ever seen that? seen that. That's mm-hmm. really bad. Winemakers love it. it; it does great things for wine. But oh. on strawberries, it's and in the berry family, it's really bad. So that plant would need to be removed. But that's okay because the you know the next generations are out there producing. So does
2: that mean you should put pine needles down if you're growing
3: them? It would very it would definitely help. So you know it, whether it's in a pot or in the garden, either find if you've got a pine tree, grow your strawberries underneath there, um, and or use pine needles as a mulch for your strawberries. That oh, would really nice. help. So the key thing to remember is they come from the forest floor of a pine forest, so full sun is not their natural environment, Ah. so dappled light is actually better. Um, They love really good drainage, so if it's a wet spot, not great, because, again, the wet spot means that they'll get clay mold (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) didn't mean that keep going you can't go there (laughs) just keep going um and so the acidity is really important yeah so you need to really get out and get get yourself a little ph kit and test your soil you ever done a ph test no maybe we'll do that another we'll talk about that another day because that's pretty important finding out the ph of your soil so they like to be slightly acidic So you'll get your best results there.
1: What about – people have told me they grow well in
3: pots. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. They do really well in pots because many of the Mm -hmm. free-draining Um, and you know, so they don't. You know, there's a fine line between drying out and being free draining. But if they're kept just moist, um, that's perfect. Yeah, right. Absolutely perfect. So you, know, you can get those little strawberry pots. You ever seen them? They've got little pockets all up yes. the side of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the whole idea of them is that you buy one strawberry, and that's this. To- this is the time of year you buy strawberry runners, bare rooted in the nurseries, and you plant it in the top. And then over time, as it produces the runners, you just tuck those little runners into each of those pockets. And then by the time you get it all the way down to the bottom, then it's time to take the top one out of the top and you just restart again. Ah. Oh. So as nurseries say, yeah, you've got to buy six
1: no. and
3: fill all the pockets. No. Oh. Okay,
1: no, thank you. No, thank you. I just need the
4: one. Yeah.
3: That's excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, strawberries, yeah, free draining, um, keep the feed up, something like you know, heavy feeding, so lots and lots of chicken manure, lots and lots of compost, and off you go. Oh. Like, I could talk for days about strawberries, but we've got more to do. So, All right, let's the do basics. some other berries then. Um,
1: so do you, could you do blueberries? Because to me, they seem like I couldn't imagine possibly growing them. Yeah, oh, they're amazing. Are.
3: They're so expensive. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, again, there's a reason for it. So, they're slightly different. They're a shrub. So, think of a shrub that's about, you know, to up to two metres tall, mm-hmm. they get most varieties. Um, that, again, come from the northern hemispheres. Um, so, hemisphere, there's only one of them, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Shrub love a really acidic soil. So, blueberries' closest cousin in the, in the plant world are azaleas. You're know, familiar with azaleas? Mm. Sure. Um, so, you know, they love acid soils. Um, the most beautiful flowers, you've got your Google machines here. You know, check up, blueberry flowers are absolutely gorgeous and their autumn colour is amazing as well. Um, but it's, the main thing about them is the level of acidity that they love. So, you're looking at 4.5 to 5.5, which is yeah. really acidic. They're very nice. really, really acidic. That's what they love. They'll but cope how through do you
0: make your soil more <laughs> as, acidic?
3: So lots and lots. You could use pine needles as your mulch right. constantly, and even when you're making your compost. We spoke about compost a while ago. Mm. Making your compost with with plant material that is acidic. Oh okay. yeah, and so the end result will be an acidic one. Can't you go
1: and buy stuff that you pour into the?
3: You can do, you can do, if you know, you can bring... Um, you, you can, make can soil, cheat, yeah. if that's what you're you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: well, you, you can cheat with sulfur. You can add see. sulfur to, to um, a medium and that, that can neutralise it. If it was alkaline, bring it back closer to neutral and slightly acidic. Okay. But the idea is to do it long term. So, you know, pruning your, your blueberry into a beautiful vase shape. So think of how you'd prune your roses. Um, but the main thing is looking for the right variety. So wherever you are, all blueberries have what we call a chill hour requirement, So they need specific temperatures to set fruit buds. So if you're buying um, blueberries and you live in Melbourne and surrounds, then you're looking for high bush varieties, which are semi-deciduous. So they have, you know, medium levels of chill. So um, they're great. The new kids on the block are the evergreen varieties. So they come from the Florida region, Southern America. So they don't lose their leaves, but they're a little bit smaller. Only get to about a metre or so tall. But still quite nice. uh, You know, I'm a bit of a... Uh, Maybe I'm a blueberry snob, I'll I'll put myself (laughs) out there. I don't think the the flavour of the evergreen varieties is as good as the semi-deciduous varieties and you definitely don't get the volume of fruit. So when you think of what you pay for a punnet of blueberries off a little evergreen, you'd probably get three punnets off it.
2: Before we run out of time, do I want to ask you about one other one because I figured it would be easy to grow. Are you allowed to grow blackberries? You know how they're like a weed and Yeah,
3: absolutely you are. You know, they just get a bad rap. If it was raspberries down the creek, would, you, would everyone be bitching about it? Probably not. They're very close cousins, yeah? So the brambles, so they produce a cane. So it's a, you buy one little stick in the nursery and they're in the nurseries now, bare rooted, and then they just keep clumping and they produce a big long cane. Somewhere They can be two to five metres long, each cane, but the thing about the, the brambles that makes them so expensive is it's two years. So that cane has to grow. In the first year, it doesn't produce any flowers and then it goes into dormancy in winter and then in the second year, which is called the flora cane, it produces half a dozen flowers on the tip. And then you get six raspberries per tip. So you're waiting two years to get six raspberries. Raspberries or
1: blackberries?
3: Uh, so raspberries and blackberries treat them exactly the oh. same. They're the same thing. So you got you know loganberries, sylvanberries, boysenberries. They all produce canes.
1: But at my farm, there was blackberries everywhere, and the county used to come spray them.
3: Yeah, you can eat them if you don't spray them. Yeah,
1: we did use yeah, to eat yeah. them pre-spray. But you don't
3: have to worry about them getting out but of control. And no, well you know uh, you know down by the creek, whatever. Anything, any of those varieties that I just mentioned, raspberries can get out of control. It's because of that suckering nature that oh. they get out of control and the birds pick the fruit and and, and down. Are you so, worried
0: about blackberries spreading through your apartment block
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in I, the city? The <laughs> best thing to do would be to grow them in a pot. And that's, to answer your question, all of those r- bramble canes is to grow them in a pot so that they don't escape. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, two years to get six. So that's And you can't manually pick. You have to pick them by hand. You can't get a machine and they don't last long and... So there's a reason why they're so expensive. So grow your own. Save some bucks. Well, I'll think about that. <laughs> Thanks, Dio. We'll see you again in a fortnight. Pleasure. Go Megahertz.
2: You're <laughs>
0: triple R. You are listening to Breakfasters here with uh, Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. Sarah, you had a um, big day yesterday. Huge. Went to the optometrist. Yeah, so I was trying to get, I'm trying to get
1: some contact lenses in time to play the community cup because it hadn't occurred to me that I couldn't really play in glasses. I can see until I can see in good light, but if it gets dull, I won't be able to see. Mm. And that might be a problem. Yeah, look, there's many problems about me <laughs> playing the community cup, <laughs> which we've established. But I, uh, so I went and I ordered some contact lenses from the optometrist. And yesterday I went in and you book a appointment to, ha- to learn how to use them. To put um, them in your eyes. To put them in your eyes. Uh, and it was one of the most embarrassing experiences of my life. How? Why? So I arrived there fairly confident that you just open your eyeball and stick a lens on it. Uh, and then... I was made to watch a video of a woman doing it, which kind of psyched me out because I thought, why do I have to watch this? And the lady did it really well in the video. And then then I couldn't even, then the, the lovely man sat with me and said, you know, put your finger and get the lens out. So number mm-hmm. one, I couldn't even get the lens out of the liquid. Right. Like I kept rolling up into a ball on my finger and then I was trying to pop it the right way and it couldn't pop it the right way. And then there's this special trick you do to see if it's not inside out and I could not see the difference between an inside-out one and a normal one. What happens if you put it on inside-out? Apparently it's not that bad. It's just a little bit not – it's not great.
0: Okay. Like you'll feel it, I reckon, wouldn't you?
1: He said it will probably pop off at some point. Oh, okay. Which is probably not ideal. And then I had to learn how to pull my eyes apart and touch my eyeball without blinking, which I was confident I could do, but as it turns out, my reflexes are just, my, my eye just won't stop so blinking. So I told you to
0: practice doing that. Which
1: I'd done, but I I don't know what happened when I was there in the under the pressure. It's very hot in the store. Yeah. Also, I had a, like a low scoop neck top on, and after about 15 minutes of trying to just touch my eyeball with my finger, I began to get a bit stressed. Yes. And i have been getting a heat rash that crept all over my chest and up my neck, and then... I, I just looked like I was a bit flustered, and I felt very flustered. And then the man kept walking away and leaving me, and saying, "We'll just pra- practice a bit more." And then coming back, and then saying, "How far have you got?" And I said, "I've been trying to put it in my eye for 15 minutes now. It's meant to go for fifth, it's meant to go for half an hour. The appointment, mm-hmm. 40 minutes in, I still hadn't got it into my eye."
0: So what are you? Are you supposed to? Um, <clears throat> did he let you? Why can't you just go home and do it?
1: Because we can't. Like, well, wait, 40 minutes. Then he said, try the other eye and I couldn't do the other eye. Then I came back to the left eye. 50 minutes in, I get it in my eye. Okay. And then I have to spend, oh, no, that's like 45 minutes in. I get it in my eye. Then I have to try and get it out of my eye. He leaves me with the instructions to pinch my eyeball. Oh. Just pinch your eyeball, Sarah. I go, oh, yeah, no worries. I'll just pinch my eyeball. So I try pinching my eyeball for 10 minutes, at which point I'm nearly having a panic attack. I'm looking around the store and saying... I just thought I'm going to have to go home. And I, he came over, and I'm not. I was thinking I'm going to cry, but if I cry, I'm worried. I'm worried that it's going to be stuck in there forever. It's going to roll behind my eyeball, <laughs> and it can't,
0: can't do that. Well, we just... yeah, learned
1: that as well. <coughs> <coughs> if it was you, Geraldine feeling what I was feeling, you would have been crying. Like I had it. Oh
0: yeah, Com- yeah. so
1: where, where where did it end up? On well, my eyeball, just stay there. And then I said to him, he could see that I was quite distressed, and also that I had a rash, some mm. kind of panic rash, and I. And I said, like, I can't get it out of my eye. And he goes, Don't worry, worst comes to worst, the optometrist can get it out for you. And then I, he eventually taught me to like roll it to the side of my eye and yeah. then squeeze and pull it out. So okay. I, I got it out. But this, so after an hour, I'd managed to get in one contact and just get it out. It's meant to take half an hour to learn that process. And then they wouldn't let me go home with them because they said, we're not confident that you can put in contacts and it take contacts a, out. That seems a fair call under the circumstances. Yeah, and then, but I didn't realise that. I thought they'd just let me go home and practise myself, but yeah. they didn't want to let me do that because they said, well, if you can't get it out, you might panic and yes. it's not ideal to sleep in them. And so now I have to go back on Thursday and have another lesson.
0: Oh, so you can't leave them in? They're no. Not-
1: <coughs> so I've never had contact... Yeah. lenses. I have many questions. Oh, yeah. Go uh, Ask away. I'm the person that knows now. Well, yeah, have to I, put I them contact- in every day. Is that right?
0: Well, it depends what sort of contact lenses you have. Mine,
1: I've got disposed. The ones that I'm getting are disposable ones and they're made for me to wear for one day for this kind of thing. So if I'm playing footy, I'm gonna running around a field, I need to be able to see further contacts. So you
2: just put them in before the game and after the game you take them yep. out. Is that
1: yeah?
0: Yeah. And I wear hard contact lenses. Oh. The, the ones that you are talking about are soft. So mine are hard and they're like specially made and I wear them every day except I don't sleep in them.
2: Okay. And them can you just out. get, if I went to get some, mm-hmm. can you get
1: whatever colour you wanted? I think you just pay more. There's no colour. It is clear. But could you get them coloured if you want? You can, like Marilyn Manson had them. That was very 1995, though, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's me told. Off. Nah, I'm just kidding. But also, yeah, you can get coloured ones if you but
0: want. But mine. Uh, Mine I can't get well. I can the tinted blue, so I can see them when they fall out. But also, they don't cover the whole part of my coloured eyes, so mm. it'd be pointless getting coloured uh-huh. ones. Did they give
2: you any plan B? Like, can you get a special no. sporting I, glasses
1: or something? No, I was I, I was like watering in the eyes afterwards, and I said, "What if I can't get it in for the game?" And he just said, "Oh well." <laughs>
2: I'm feeling maybe that this
1: guy. Are you going to have another go? No, he was great. I just think he. I just think I was. I was really. I just think sometimes when I'm hot.
0: Yeah, but do you think you could, if you had another go, you could make it work? I feel a lot more confident now. I know that.
1: It. I. I think my panic was that I was. Thought I'd never get it out of my eye. I thought yeah. it was going to be in there forever, and I hadn't thought about the fact that I could have just gone and got the optometrist to take it out for me if I needed to. Yeah. But is just the panic? I don't know. What's that like? I can't, can you remember the last thing you have had to do under pressure in front of someone in a time frame? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like that yes. was. The, no,
2: I don't. I think like, I've told you about this before. When I was on a school camp, and we were going rock climbing. Yes. And the guy was saying, "Yeah, oh, it's very easy to tie your safety thing, there you tie go. the rope like blah 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 blah." And then he just left me to do it, and I couldn't remember how to do it. And I had to climb up this rock thinking, oh my God, my safety thing's going to fall off.
1: Yeah. There you go. It's that It's it's like the time pressure. I can't. It reminded me of being in a testing class or some kind of. Like when I had to do Allianz Francais in year seven and recite a French poem in front of two French people in a room.
0: A lot of pressure. There you go. Yeah.
1: It was terrible. It was that all over again.
0: But now you know they can't go roll back behind your eye. Is that can't yeah, do it that. could be
1: stuck on my eyeball forever until I can get to an optometrist? So, you
0: know, my contact lenses often get the times they get stuck on my eye when I'm dehydrated. I find like if I'm really hungover, then it kind of irritates a lot. It's mm. like a like a suction cap on my eyeball. Oh, I don't want
1: to hear it's a suction but that's cap.
0: It's diff- different to yours. Yours are they you know you're not going to be hungover playing the community cup. Well, I might be, be, be hungover l- the next day though. Yeah, but you know what? You won't have them in then. Oh, what if I can't I get not... him out? <laughs> Yeah, but they're different anyway. Yours are soft ones. Mine are. Mine are How hard. long did it
1: take you to learn?
0: Uh, I started with just one because I only had one problem with my eye. And then so I just had one and that was uh, quite a bit to get used to. Like a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I had to do that like lots of practice of just touching my eye. I oh, don't do it in front of me.
1: Maybe right. you just have so, to manage not being able to see very well. Just I think that, that, that that's what it's coming down catching to. Catching the ball by sound.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Ordinary. put a bell in the
1: ball. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll see if DQ would let me do that yeah. I don't think any of the other megahertz would mind no so thanks to everyone who's texted in to tell me <laughs> horror stories about leaving their contacts in overnight uh, one with a friend who ended up in hospital on antibiotics after contracting an infection, nearly lost their eye and another lovely person who's had to go back to the optometrist three times because she can't get them out of her eye she can't get her contacts out of her eye Triple you know, R well listeners well. always trying to help no, <laughs> now I'm in panic mode. <laughs> I know I'll just tape my glasses to my head.
2: Yes, why don't you do that? Yes. Three, triple... You're listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Briny Doyle is a writer and academic. She's the author of the novel, The Island Will Sink, as well as the book we're discussing today, Adult Fantasy, which is now out through Scribe. Welcome to Breakfasters.
4: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
2: It's a great pleasure. You begin the book by talking about turning 30 and then suddenly feeling you've missed a crucial memoir about how to grow up. Tell us what you mean.
4: Um, I think it was just that, uh, I mean, I had I had tried really hard not to succumb to age panic and then when I sort of looked at everything and looked at some of my behaviour, like my obsessive compulsive real estate searching, even though I don't have any money to buy any real estate. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> on, on the internet trying to imagine a proper adult life. The problem was, I think, for me, I realised that at 30 my life was practically identical to 21 Um, and I hadn't done all of those milestones I hadn't I I felt as though like oh maybe I've missed some kind of communication telling me how to get all this locked down
2: you talk about how the concept of adulthood has varied immensely throughout history. Maybe give us some examples of how it's changed, how previous um, societies thought about being an adult compared to today.
4: Well, it's not so much that I did like anthropological stuff looking at different societies, but the, the first thing that I started uncovering when I was looking at the history of adulthood is that the kind of normative standard of adulthood that we think about now is only a couple of generations old. So the idea, for example, that like um, young adults will move out of home and then they'll buy a home and, you know, They'll self-select their careers. Once you say that out loud, of course, that's just something really new. But um, we tend to think of it as being the standard that has been for all of time. I mean, in the um, late 18th century, people would not people would get married and stay in the home. They would never buy property unless they inherited. Lots of people didn't have any choice about what work they were going to do. There's no way to delay your reproductive system. You know, there's all of this stuff that we consider to be a norm, which actually isn't. You also talk about,
1: this is what kind of fascinated me, like the, the concept of child. Hood is really new as yeah. well. Can you kind of talk about that in relation to this book? Because I never thought about the fact that, that we didn't have childhood really, like 100 or so years ago. Children yes. didn't exist as such uh, yes. the way that they do now.
4: Yeah, so um, the historian Philippe Aries said that you know in the in the Middle Ages there was no ch- childhood didn't exist yeah. right, and his point that he was making is that we didn't differentiate between these different blocks of um, uh, development, I suppose, and we didn't kind of imbue them with all of this meaning. So obviously, like there were still kids, people still were yeah. babies and then grew yeah. into kids. Sorry, I, we- think I did just say they weren't <laughs> children, but that's oh, not yeah. what I meant. But we didn't. But we, d- but we didn't like imbue it as this kind of innocent space, a space to be protected, and so we didn't. Kind of graduated into an adult space so we didn't have this kind of binary set up between like child and adult where children are really innocent and sweet and um something that we should feel nostalgic about and that childhood is a thing that we've lost somehow in the transition it was just like you're a person and you're just, <laughs> you're just out there in the world from the get-go
2: well, one way that a lot of people think about adulthood today and i, I, I feel this with my friends one of the markers is having children mm. yourself. You write about a decision to remain childless. How controversial is that as a decision for women to make in today's society?
4: Mm. It's, I don't think that it, it causes or it doesn't cause me major controversy people aren't so shocked now that i'm over 30 but in my mid 20s and late 20s as you know in the lead up to the kind of investigation of this book people would be really dismissive of that idea as though it were not actually something that i was capable of deciding for myself and people would say stuff like oh you'll change your mind you know and there was this idea that you know the biological clock and it's going to explode somewhere in your <laughs> uterus at some point and all your free will goes out the window and you just become a breeding automaton <laughs> i was like i actually I'm fairly sure that's not going to happen to me, and I'm also feeling pretty um, dismissed when I say that i'm this is what I want to do and this is why I want to do it. Um, and you're like, nah, Womb says no. Um, so, yeah, I don't know now. people don't argue with me that much, but I think also because I've written about it fairly stridently now in a number of different places. Um, I think that it still is, I mean, I guess people don't say stuff to my face anymore, like your life is going to be meaningless. Um, but I'm sure they still I'm sure they still think it. I'm sure there's still a bit of pity there.
1: Oh yeah, my All my friends have chosen not to have children, and they're all kind of late twenties, early thirties. They they still get the. You may regret this when you're you know when you're forty three when it's when it's gone. Better you may to regret, regret the
4: child you didn't have than the child you did. <laughs> this is a very good point.
1: <laughs> Do you think too that that there's something in choosing to uh, not have children and if you don't have children, not having a career as such to then replace them with also presents a challenge. So it's like you have to have one or the other to be considered an adult. Like I'm either going to have a child or I'm going to have this set-in-stone career. And if you don't have either we're kind of left in this limbo as such.
4: Yeah, so two things there I mean in the book I spend a lot of time trying to deconstruct that binary between like mothers and non-mothers, so like mothers are like selfless and they're just looking after their children all the time and non-mothers are careerist and really selfish and driven and they buy all this stuff and they have really fancy shoes and all that kind of go on holidays, so I try and deconstruct that to say look we're actually, this is about the control of women, this is about telling women what they should be buying and how they should be behaving Um, so that's that on the one hand. On the other hand And you know you can't argue with the fact that raising children takes up heaps of time Um, so if you do choose to have a life where you are not going to raise children you've got a whole bunch of extra time to play with and you can make a whole bunch of decisions there obviously like focusing and obsessing over your career is a thing that you could do but then there's lots of other things that you can do with your time and I think some of the um, discussion in my book was about going okay I'm not going to have kids like what am I going to what do I get to do with that time and how can I make my life really meaningful with that time as well.
2: Because you write about the perpetual insecurity that you're facing, what you were facing in your career and all of your friends were facing. That seems to be a major factor in undermining that traditional idea of adulthood, doesn't it? Because... You never reach this point where you feel in control of your career.
4: Huge, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, even if you are, are going to yeah. get some kind of some kind of job security, it'll be on a rolling two-year, three-year contract, right? So, like, a majority of us work casually. We hope that we're still employed next week, but if we're not, we'll just get a phone call. There's no kind of... Um, oh, you're fired. There's no sense as well even that our jobs are necessarily going to be there, that the actual job will exist in a few years. And this really changes this idea of our um, adult identity. Being attached permanently to our jobs in that sense.
2: Yeah. But then this is a very important part of the book as well because you conclude by saying that your father, who was a journalist, is also facing precisely the same kind of yeah. insecurity, even though you start the book contrasting your life with his. By the end of the book, you realise in some ways he's almost in a worse position than you are.
4: And so did he. And that was really, I mean, throughout the book, he gives me this all this ridiculous advice. Dad gives me lots of ridiculous advice, as I'm sure many of your fathers do. Um, but all of his advice was based on this kind of set in stone world, which he knew, in which he was a journalist and he was going to be a journalist until he fell over and Um, you know, it was a a real shock to him, the series of redundancies that everyone's really aware of that went on that he lost his job in that. Um, He kind of ended up doing a little bit of work in the internet and it was this like brave new world to him and he got quite upset about, or not upset's not the right word, he was stoic but he was confused and worried you know, Um, and so you can see how like he attached his whole identity to this idea of being this hardcore old school journalist and it could just be stripped away really quickly and easily it's like no one's immune to neoliberalism liberalism. You can have, uh, you know, a job that you've had for 20 years or you can have a house but you're not immune. Kind of despite all these changes that you discuss in the book it seems we still
1: have a very traditional uh, kind of description of adulthood in front of us. When do you think this will change? Do you think that we'll become more at ease with adulthood being a little bit less kind of
4: strict? I hope so. Like I hope that my intention with the book was to start, well, not to start the conversation, but to enter this conversation yeah. and say like, okay, like, let's talk about what the realities are and how the, there's a bit of flexibility in that. And hopefully we don't all have to go through this kind of age panic, right? Hopefully we can start looking at it and talking back to those editorials and stuff, right? Like the, oh, you know, this generation are the laziest, most entitled narcissistic people because they haven't moved out of home or they haven't gotten a job or they haven't bought a car or whatever. If we can start speaking back to that with, you know, you Know (laughs) history and facts instead of just being like, no, you know, I think that we want to begin to have a really productive conversation.
2: Because, in some ways, that seems almost the central theme of the book. I can imagine this book would often be discussed by perhaps by people who haven't read it as a generationalist um, manifesto, but it seems, in some ways, almost to be the opposite. You conclude by saying, generationalism is an attempt to make sense of the dehumanizing effects of neoliberalism by ascribing character defects to the younger. Um, and abdicating responsibility for everyone. So it's almost the conclusion is these things are affecting everyone.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I'm really glad you said that. And you're right, like lots of people who've read the first chapter or whatever are like, oh, generationalism, and that's kind of the, the hook, I suppose, in a lot of ways. But I do think that that's a really damaging conversation. And, I mean, if we compare generational war to class war, then we can see that what's happening is that, you know, we're setting groups of people up against each other when actually we really need to work together.
0: Yeah. You I mean- feel re- really left out being I'm on, on the as for X and Y yep. and I feel like I and please stop talking about this generalisation stuff but also like I'm, you know, in my late 30s now and I feel that I'm only just starting to hit all the adulthood things and it's yeah. like on one hand you can look back on your 20s and go, did I waste all that time or – but I go, no, nah, I didn't. I just I just lived my my 20s, you yeah. know. Is that essentially what you're getting through? Yeah, pretty
4: much. And I mean, even saying that out loud is really important because I know a lot of people, especially in their late 20s, right, are like, oh, what have I done? I've wasted all this time. I don't have anything. But you need to kind of slow down and go, well, actually, if I stop looking at material things, Mm. if I stop looking at these kind of um, superimposed milestones and start looking at the things that I've learned and the various different, um, you know, roles that I've taken on and all of that kind of stuff, you start to see, no, I haven't wasted anything at all. Like I've actually been growing and developing. It's just that it's not quantifiable in these ways and on that being on the cusp of generations I'm kind of on the cusp, like I'm probably the first line millennial um, and Renata Adler writes about being like a first line generation person and the confusion of that, like you're always looking up to something that is sort of shifting and looking down to something that you don't necessarily identify with, so it's a real thing <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> the book is called Adult Fantasy, it's out now through Scribe, we've been talking to Bryony Doyle, thanks so much for coming in Thanks for having
4: me You're <laughs> in
2: Three triple oh. uh,
0: So y- yesterday, Sarah, you had quite a um, freaky morning, let's call it that. <laughs> yeah, it
1: was a freaky morning, wasn't it because I was working with you guys? <laughs> oh. Oh. Every morning's a freaky morning here. <laughs> so uh, so yes. yeah,
0: yesterday morning I um, took off at someone called and I answered and there was Someone looking for a Mr. Jones. And I was like, oh, mate, that is, you clearly got a wrong number. And I hung up and you were like, who was that? And I was like, someone looking for Mr. Jones. And then you freaked out. Yes, I did.
4: Because
0: what? I'd woken up in the morning with
1: a distinct feeling that I'd had a dream. I couldn't remember whether it was a dream or whether I just woke up with a, I don't want to use the word premonition, when mm-hmm. I say premonition, that someone rang the studio and said, I'm looking for a Mr. Jones.
0: And then it's the it zone. It's the Twilight Zone. It happened. Do you remember
1: anything? Jeff looked at me like I was insane. No. I didn't want to say it out loud. You know when something happens and you mm-hmm. go, I want to tell you both, I'm screaming internally, I want to tell you both that this morning I woke up with this feeling but I don't know whether it was because I dreamt it or why I was thinking about it that this happened. But then if I say that out loud to you right now, you think I'm a little bit. Looping. But
0: and that's the thing, and I complete because it's happened to me before as well. Yes, um, and I told you about this yesterday, Jeff. I don't know if I told you, but once when I was, oh, I think I was about like I was a teenager, and I was, and I dreamt that I was listening to the radio, and someone had called up to request a song. Is this
1: is the weirdest story because it's so. Anyway, keep going.
0: Yeah. Anyway, they called up to request a song. And they were having a bit of a chat and they said, oh, what have you been up to today? And he went, oh, just chopping down trees, like, which isn't, you know, he wor- obviously worked, that was his job. It was, you know. A lumberjack. Yeah, he's a lumberjack and he's okay. Or a, oh,
1: there's another word for it but I forgot what it's called. Anyway, I keep going. Uh,
0: <laughs> and, you know, and that was, you know, I woke up and was fine. And then that night I was in my bedroom doing some homework listening to the radio and the guy. Arborist. Hey? Arborist. Oh yes, yeah. Thank you. So perhaps and then, more likely than checking out. <laughs> out of the and then a guy called up the the request line and requested a song, and they were like having a bit of a chat, and they said, "What have you been up to today?" And he went, "Oh, I've just been chopping down trees." And you're right, you do scream internally. Yeah. Like I just went, oh! I didn't know who to tell. I didn't know what to say because it was like it was the same voice and word for word.
1: There you go, because you don't know, and it wasn't because it's a... so insignificant. It's not yeah. like you've dreamt that the
0: world's going to end. Yeah, you've yeah. dreamt this really strange, and it wasn't a recorded show, so it was live and it happened. That's the thing, and I yeah. know,
1: And this has happened to me a few times. I'm not saying I'm a psychic. <laughs>
0: Just putting it out there. I think you have a gift. I think I have a gift. Thank you. We have good gifts. And we need to tap into those gifts. But here's the other thing. This is why I'm bringing this up because I got home last night and my housemate. Um, was saying, Oh, mate, the weirdest thing happened today. So last night I was having a dream. I went, what? Oh, get out. T- she goes, I had this dream. So this is my friend that I stayed with when I was in New York. Yes. And she lived with this hoarder um, who was just a bit lackluster in getting his um, stuff together. So she was like, Before she left, she goes, Any bills? Let me know any bills I need to pay before I go. And he just couldn't get his shit together. And then, and she had a dream last night. That he um, got in contact with her and said, "Oh, finally got it all together. The bills come to two hundred dollars." And then she woke up, and then, and then that day she gets an email from him saying, "Hey, I've sorted it all out. Bills are two hundred nine dollars." Wow. Or so I'm interested. Sorry, if <clears throat> if there was something that happened the night before, like maybe. Did anyone else have some You know some what it was? No,
2: no, no. You know what it was? What was it, it yesterday? Full moon? It
0: was the bloody, um, bloody equinox No, the
1: opposite of the equinox. The anti-equinox. Yeah,
0: <laughs> solstice. 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 That's right. Does it have anything to do with that? Oh, my that? God, maybe it does have something to do with
1: the
2: solstice. It's a shame we didn't ask um, the astronomer that we had in whether the solstice
1: normally would produces... affect
0: our yeah. psychic abilities. <laughs> that, that please, bit... please, text us. Uh, I have
1: a premonition she would have thought we were dickheads if we did. <laughs> Yeah,
0: Texas in. Oh my God, <laughs> your powers are astonishing. Zero four double six nine eight one zero two seven. If you've if you had a premonition last night and it came true yesterday,
2: but can I say mm. talk on this subject? I've been saying I've been experimenting with my various sleep aids, mm. my yes, blindfold, and now my tape my recorded app thing that plays the various sounds that you're supposed to sleep to. Yeah. And in terms of having your strange dreams, it's totally doing my head in. <laughs> so, oh.
0: so I think we have got a <laughs> text.
1: Someone who's been texting us about Red Rooster all morning just texted us about it, <laughs> saying That's... that they dreamt about <sighs> Red Rooster, but they're <laughs> calling Red Rooster Rooter. Anyway, keep going.
2: <laughs> no, uh, no I, I went to sleep listening to, you know, you're supposed to be listening to the sound of the river running past. It's supposed oh, yeah, to be yeah. very relaxing. Oh, yes. Then I woke up with these terrifying dreams that I was about, <laughs> about to be flooded to and, and, you know, they were drowning and all kinds of things. Are
1: you going near a river while you're in the UK? Oh, <gasps> the Thames. The Thames. Oh, oh my God.
2: stay away from the Thames. Just yeah, stay bit, away it's from the Thames. we typical given the whole city's on the damn
1: Thames. Just <laughs> stay as far away as possible from the Thames. Oh, my God, the that Thames.
0: revelation <laughs> in your face. <gasps> the Thames. <sighs> uh, don't
1: listen to any tapes. because You know, you're scared of flying. Don't yeah. listen to any kind of... Burning tapes or...
2: Yeah. No, one of these, one of these relax- to- allegedly relaxing these Oh, you crackling
0: sound. fires. Crackling fires? Oh, and, yeah. Oh, let's go to sleep listening to a crackling fire. That's nice. You know. A
2: towering inferno. Yes.
1: Well. <laughs> well it's <a> bit untimely. <laughs> take
0: to- let's take it to the extreme, don't <laughs> yes. you? Like two hours in a blackout, skin a cat. <laughs> a little bit of a crackling fire,
1: towering inferno. <laughs> don't dream anything about planes, though, before you get on the plane. Uh, is that your only time that you've been psychic?
0: Um. Yeah. No. No. That's the the most ex- extreme case. Yeah. That I've had. I've had plenty of times. Seems there. very
1: pointless, doesn't it? Like if you are a psychic, mm. and mm. for some reason your psychic ability, psychic abilities, just turned on to tell you that some random tree chopper is going to call <laughs> in and request a shit song on a radio station.
0: Yeah. It's you, very wh- true. true. What's that about? But I did. I did go. Um. I went to a psychic expo once. Love them. Ah. And um. I. You know, that's where they have all the psychic readers and tarot card readers and all of that seated around us. You just walk around you and. just you
1: go from one to one comparing there. Yes. Did you get. Did you do that? No,
0: because you have to pay. Oh. Like it's still, you have to, you know, pay. <laughs> They'll get yeah, <laughs> That's fine. I'm, I'm happy to pay. <laughs> it's nice, you know. And I, I sat down with one. And she, as soon as I sat down, you know, I'm, and you've told me this, that everyone says this, they all go. They t- they tell everyone this. And they go, you've got you've got the gift. You've and got like, the gift. Yeah. So right. they
1: get and they tap into you.
4: Oh. Yeah.
1: There's this one psychic. Me and my friends used to go and see, and we realised that when we all compared stories, well, she was quite accurate. She's pretty mm. good, but she did always say to each one of us, "I sense that you have a very you have very strong powers."
0: Well, yeah. I asked this one time. I said, "Well, how do I? What do I do with that? How do I tap into that?" Um, well, she's not going to tell you that, is she? So well, no, she did. And you steal told a job.
1: Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. It's very She's, competitive <laughs>
1: business. I <laughs> didn't think about that, actually.
0: Do you know what she said? She said, oh, it's you, just, you get some tarot cards, you learn how to just buy yourself some tarot cards, learn how to read tarot, and um, then you just get yourself a tablecloth and a table and you can sit here and do it. Yeah. Ah. She was just telling me how to get into the business. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> don't know how to read mine. You, you sit here and make it up. Nah,
1: I believe all that. Can I just also, Jeff, do you want us to read the text that just came through? No, don't. He,
0: nah. he doesn't need to see the Don't read that text, Jeff. Don't read
1: that. I predict that you will freak out if you read that
4: text. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3 Triple R.